0: Hey everybody, on this podcast we've got My buddy David Becker, fantastic guitar player, great jazz player, but plays all kinds of other styles. And Derek Frank, who's Gwen Stefani's bass player. These guys go way back and they're good friends. Both of them can play their butts off. So check it out. I hope you enjoy this broadcast. everybody, Norm over here. I want to welcome you to the Norm's Rag Guitars podcast. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And I want to remind you that you can see this exclusively at the All Guitar Network the following week, the following Tuesday. Uh, we're so happy to be doing these podcasts. I can't tell you, and it's really turned out to be one of the most fun things ever. Today, I've got one of my favorite jazz guitar players in the world just a great musician overall, Mr. David Becker on the guitar. Thank you
1: Norm, great to be here.
0: And I've got my buddy Derek Frank, on the bass, Ooh, yeah. and Derek is one of the great players, will give you some of this resume, which is pretty crazy. And I've got my buddy Nick Dias over to help I me do. out. Hello. He translates for me, and you know <laughs> when I draw a blank, he kind of helps me out, and kind of uh, you know fills in the, the blanks. So, and there's a lot of blanks at my age. So I just want to tell you, these guys are something else. And David Becker has played in more, he's a world traveler, I mean, he's played in places as far away as Encino, Northridge, <laughs> Sherman Oaks, all the uh, adjoining sit, uh, exactly. cities or towns. Hollywood, so. Oh, North Hollywood yeah. as yeah. well, yeah, and uh, Panorama City as well. Right. No, this guy is always out on the road. David's
2: you, one of those guys you always go, where have you been? It's like Japan, Italy. Where have you just come back from?
1: Just came back from Italy, Germany, and the Netherlands.
2: Oh wow, so. where they love their
1: jazz. They do, and it's uh, it's a great place to work. I work there so much. I'm going back in November. I'm going back to Japan at the end of November and. doing Woodstock this year, actually, in October. So really? That'll be one gig in the U.S. Wow. <laughs>
0: wow. And you've played in more festivals than anybody I know. I mean, every jazz festival, most of which I can't even pronounce.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have been lucky to play lots of festivals. I mean, in, at f- the very first festival that I did was back in 1985, was in Long Beach, and I opened for Miles Davis. So wow. It was like, and I played solo. It was Miles Davis, Chick Corea, Jack DeJohnette, and Steps Ahead with Michael Brecker. Wow. And I was the lone guy playing solo guitar. Uh-huh. So that was well, that'll learn televised. you. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 20,000 people, but it was a great experience. Right. So
0: to the top. Nothing like being on the spot. And then we've got my buddy De- Derek Frank over here. And Derek is a world traveler himself, but with a lot of really great acts, luminaries, such as Shania Twain. Gwen Stefani. Those guys are, uh, Shania, is she in Vegas now?
3: Yeah, we, um, well, Gwen's in Vegas at the moment. We head out in a couple weeks for Vegas, and then Shania starts her residency in December. So they're both doing Vegas residencies in the same theater. That's where they
0: all wind up, and it's a great place, man. That's, you know, if you're a great musician, and if you can draw in the crowds, you know, and you can get a residency in Vegas, you don't even need a second name. It can just be Gwen. Right. So, so are you you going to be doing both those
3: shows? I'll be doing both. Yeah, I'll be rotating. uh, Wow. Yeah. So I guess
2: you'll be in Vegas for a while. Uh, It's going to be a (laughs) lot of Vegas. I've already
3: been kind of doing Gwen's thing for the last year and a half. Right. How's that going? It's great. Yeah. So fun. You know, Um, she's an amazing artist. I'm just lucky to play with her. I Really, really love her songs, and she's amazing on stage. She's a lovely, lovely girl as well. Great person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. You don't gamble, do you?
3: Not so much. Uh, I I used to. I mean, back in my younger days, when I would go to Vegas for cover gigs and all that, I would gamble a lot, and I think I learned my lesson early on. I've I've (laughs) learned a few
0: lessons, and I continue to learn lessons. I I think there's a statue someplace that says, Dumbbell, and it's got my picture on it, and I have left a lot of money there. Yeah. Yep. If I ever get even, I will never gamble again in my They erected money. a <laughs> statue to you, didn't they? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that you paid for Absolutely. <laughs> and I know you've done stuff like Dancing with the Stars and all that.
3: Yeah, I, I used to do the, the, their tours. Like, they used to do a thing where they would do a season of the TV show that can go out on tour for, for a bit. And so I was in the touring band. Oh, cool. Yeah, we, I did that in 2007 to 2009, yeah.
0: And Shakira?
3: I subbed with Shakira last year, a friend of mine was playing bass and he had a family situation come up, so I just went out and filled in for him for a little bit. Yeah.
0: Nice. Air supply?
3: Yep. I was with them for about a year and a half um, in between um, Shania and Gwen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I they, saw they that went, gig. I got to the, see yeah, play. Used, yeah, it. Up in a Bakersfield or, yeah, yeah. Like an and they, they were loud. Talk about like an easy them, but they were loud. Oh, I, really? I, I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea that they, they played as much as they do. I mean, they, they do 120 shows a year. Really? All over the world. And it's a rockin' band. It's a lot more rockin' than you would think for Air Supply. They're, they're Australian, good. right? Uh, they started in Australia. One one guy's English, the other's Australian, right. but, but oh, they, they go. Australia. They're, they're they
2: going to make it. a lot of noise at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course.
0: Sounds yeah. the same to us Americans. We I can't, can't tell you. one from
2: you. No, right, right.
0: we can't exactly. actually. So,
2: so <laughs> how did you two hook, hook up? Well,
0: so, What's the, the story there? In
1: the mid-2000s, I was doing several dates here in California, but I was still living in Europe. And my brother Bruce was based here in L.A. and he had worked with Derek on a couple projects, I guess. And recommended yes. him to play in the trio. So we did quite a few dates locally here in, in the LA, David Becker Trio. In the David Becker yeah. Tribune, yeah. And then we took him to Argentina for a festival. That's right. In, yeah. I think, 2006 or 2005. Yeah, 2000. something like that. So yeah. we did a couple gigs down there. And then I've just mm-hmm. stayed in touch with Derek over the years and hired him to do some sessions when I produce some stuff. And we've been
2: friends ever since. Oh, so. fantastic.
0: One thing that uh, Derek did that uh, I'm always a big fan of is Brian Auger. Mm. Brian, I'm. Mm. I don't play like Brian, but I did play B3. That was my main oh, cool. instrument, and uh, Brian is a monster. And He's uh, great.
3: I just saw him the other night. He just did two really? nights at the Potato, just really? celebrating yeah. his 80th That's birthday. the baked potato so, for you people. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. the spud, as we used to about, call it yeah. out he's here. He's playing
0: yeah. the bogeys,
2: I think, over the next
0: well, one. Oh, it's it's yeah.
1: funny because the, that's another small world connection because I'm working with a booking agent in Germany now who books Brian he really been Brian's booker for the last, I think, five or ten years. So it's kind of circular how this stuff kind of, you know. It's amazing.
2: Out. I used to see him in a pub on Church Street in Preston when it was the Brian Ogre Trinity. Oh, huh? wow. Yeah, Years That's and cool. years ago. Wow. I think he had a That's girlfriend cool. up there in my hometown. I was in my teens.
3: Oh, wow. And
2: we were like, no, oh, I think this guy's famous. And he'd do the whole show in this tiny little pub. It was amazing, yeah. That's cool. Yeah,
3: fantastic.
0: And you did something with... Uh, Christina
3: Aguilera too, I did one thing with her like years ago, it was a, a funny thing, just a TV show, it was Beverly Hills 90210. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was uh, one of those things where like they had a club on the show called the Peach Pit. The Peach Pit, and I, yeah. And every now and then they would bring artists in and she, at the time she was a new artist and we didn't know who Christina Aguilera was. Yeah. And uh, we did a couple songs and, and you can you can find a, a version of that episode that's in German on YouTube, because I was searching for it once, because <laughs> I hadn't seen it in a while, and the only, the only one I could find was, was dubbed in German. It's
0: hilarious. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my buddy David um, is very involved here with the All Guitar Network. And he's got a number of shows on that. And um, they're educational. Uh, You can learn something. Um, He really knows how to explain things and kind of break it down to the you know common denominator that we can all understand and that's the way to to really teach somebody something He
2: he even explained something to me in like a couple of short sentences that i've been struggling with for years i don't know if you remember a few months ago and i said david will you just show me what you just and he went oh yeah well listen think about it this way and blah blah so the tutorial things, which I've been keeping up with, are, are fantastic if you get a chance to look at them.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, for me, I like to share, you know, the information because playing music is, um, for everybody, is a little bit different how they interpret it and how they yeah. learn. But sometimes it's made too complicated, you know, and it's, it's like a language. And if you can break it down in that capacity to teach people how to speak and get a result that's what you want cuz if you if you were going to learn french and you went to a cafe and you ordered a cafe au lait and they gave you a souffle yeah. you know you'd be frustrated you'd go like i don't want to do this yeah. but if you walked in and you could have a small conversation with the waitress and you got right. a date out of it you go like wow this is great i want to learn more french so it's the same with music you it's know it's building blocks yeah, right exactly yeah. exactly yeah. so that's
0: well, the cool, the cool thing is is that you need the basic information, so you have it. Yes. You know, it's like when you're learning a language or when you're first learning to speak, you know, the more words that you have, right. uh, the more versatility you have, and you can create sentences and whatever. So with music, so you don't want to necessarily have to think about it no. so much no. so that it becomes mechanical, but mm. that has to be part of your vocabulary? It's kind of second
3: nature. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we were talking about this earlier, how, you know, words don't make a conversation just as notes don't make music. Right. You know, there's, it's a, it's, um, you know, you learn the notes as the building blocks, and then you use that into having a conversation with another musician, just like you learn words and figure out how to have a conversation. That's a really
2: good, that's a really good, uh, analogy, because you've got to try and get what your Trying to express across, not necessarily through. Get the emotion over, mm-hmm. and that's what your vocabulary is, right? On your, on whichever instrument you're playing. Yeah, so, you have. you, sorry.
1: you, you, you <laughs> yeah. draw from whatever experiences you have. And the other thing is, Derek and I haven't played together, and it's been a long time a since while. we yeah. actually played. So, but sitting down with him, we can revisit a lot of stuff because it's like having a conversation with an old friend.
2: Well, it was you two just when you played just now. It was like two, three, five, and then just straight into a Bang. beautiful. Yeah. Actually, I could sit and watch you play all day, man. It's like oh, it, it's a little guitar lesson over here in itself.
0: Always, and uh, Derek, it's like a bass lesson as well. Yeah. You know, you know what's cool is that you know the real mature players. Um, One of the things, and I've said this before, is uh, one of the most important things in music is a rest. You know, giving it a breath and creating a phrase so that it's not, I mean, there's some of these guys that can play all these scales and they play really fast and it's great that they can do that, but to me it doesn't say as much as when you kind of, you know, say a phrase, let it rest, let it sink in, and then do another one. And I think all great music is really based on phrasing. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Uh, to, to talk to uh, the point you just made, like if somebody starts talking to you with a machine gun delivery and he's giving yeah. you all the information as fast as they can, you sort of, yeah, I don't really yeah. want to talk to yeah. this guy. Right. Can right. you slow it down yeah. and give me the give me Of course, and that's
3: something, again, that's something we were talking about earlier, how like if you're having a conversation with someone that just talks at you constantly and doesn't give I, you a break to, you know, no. we've, all no had, we've all talked to those people <laughs> before where they, they just start spitting words at you and you're like, yeah, and well, I. <laughs> and, you, know, and, and you can't get a word in edgewise man. it's not a the, conversation it's, yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing when you're playing with with musicians it's it's you have to kind of give a rest for somebody else to react to what you played mm-hmm. right. it's a conversation it's a it's a back and forth it's a listening thing you know that's
1: what
2: makes it good
0: yeah well yeah. that was
1: what attracted me to Derek in the beginning when we first worked together because the trio that I work with is very specific to listening and, and being spot, spontaneous and so when he played the very first gig or the very first rehearsal I was like yeah He's listening, and he's really reacting, and he, he understood that concept. And a lot of guys don't because they think the more they play, the better they'll be. But it's kind of like listening to somebody give a monologue that's just like, you know, like he's saying. It's like you know, exactly. be- beating your head up, and you can't really get heads or tails out of what they're trying to say. Yeah. You know?
0: So, um, you know, one other thing I just wanted, because both of you guys are like very advanced musicians. Um, when you first started, uh, did you immediately go to jazz, both of you? Both you guys.
1: No, I started, I mean, I played trumpet before I played guitar, so I was exposed to big band music, but the reason I played guitar is I wanted to play, you know, Bad Company and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. in the garage, you know, and I still love that music. Uh, it's just that, you know, I realized that there's, I never thought of music as being um, in a category. I have an older brother who's six and a half years older, so he bought Led Zeppelin too the day it came out. I was eight. And I was <laughs> like, wow, that's eight. cool. I didn't think about, you know, what it was. And that still resonates to me today because the music that I create, which is, you know, it's considered jazz from the critic standpoint, but it's got a lot of elements to it. I would not just say it's just this, you know.
2: Yeah, no, it's pretty broad. Your, st- I, I, your stuff's great, man. I, well, I'm well a thanks. Fan and I,
1: I, I think what it is is I'm a music fan. Yeah. And I, I play guitar because I love music. And I try to, uh, when I play what I like to play, I play for the fan that lives inside me.
0: There you go. Well, there's two kinds of music, yeah. good music yeah. and bad yeah, music. Exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And Derek, what about you? Because, I mean, you, you play all different styles. I sure. mean, you're yeah. like the hired gun who comes in, you can do whatever you need to do at that given moment.
3: Sure. Yeah, and just like David said, I mean, I'm a I'm a music fan. I, I like music. I like all different kinds of music, and um, I'm, you know... I definitely didn't start on jazz. I was a metalhead back in the day. That was like, you know, we were just talking about Iron Maiden. I saw <laughs> yeah. the Iron Maiden show tonight. Steve Harris was my guy. Of oh, course, like, bummer. Yeah, I was learning all that stuff, you know, um, and I, yeah, being a metalhead, I, I was still, you know, really into playing bass. And I ended up going to this music camp, which was a jazz camp. And I hadn't been exposed to jazz yet. And I just got my ass handed to me. I just, you know, I just, I couldn't hang. I didn't know what this music was, but. But I was like, you know what, this is cool. This is something I haven't heard before and and haven't played, and I should check this out. And then I just started really digging into that and listening to a lot of different records and, you know, getting some lessons, things like that. And then I got really deep into jazz for a while.
0: Well, you know, jazz is so cerebral. I mean, you know, it makes you want to go, you know, Why would you want to play in a giant stadium when you can play in a small club with six people in there? (laughs) I always like to say that, tease the jazz guys, because I love them. And, and, you know, it's amazing because they have to put in so much work and thought and effort to become such great players. The only problem is, is that the bulk of the people don't always understand... The nuances and all the really subtleties and cool stuff about jazz. Well,
1: I think it's this, because I've experienced it from the end of being on the stage, and in my experience and the guys that I've been around, like the Miles Davises, were able to reach a larger audience because they understood that when you perform you're trying to speak to the audience. Yeah. And it right. you don't have to dumb down the music. You you just speak from your heart and if you have something to say, people will understand. And I've had people come to me who said I had a guy once in Germany said, I hate jazz and I love what you do. So I was <laughs> like, cool. oh, that's a great compliment. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and we do we get to play big audiences. I mean it's not just playing the the fifty seat jazz club I've played 30,000 seat places. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All oh, festivals. Cool, yeah, and yeah, and even concerts where you go like, Wow, there's there's two thousand people that paid to see this, but they, they all are big music fans and I just know that when you get up and perform whatever it is, whether it's Indian music or it's, it's you know, a monkey song, you have to connect with the audience. Yeah. And I remember specifically Chick Corea's uh, guy that worked for him came to me at that festival that I did and he said of all the people that played here today, you connected the most with the audience. And wow. I, cool! I was a great compliment. I didn't Amazing. understand exactly what he meant until later. But yeah. that was very important to me and I still keep that in my mind today. Oh,
2: of course you would, yeah. I mean what what was I never having seen Miles Davis, but I can only imagine it's like watching Picasso painted a picture or well, something. Well, yeah, it was you know, the,
1: it, John Schofield was in the band, and, I mean, it wow. was a pretty incredible band, you know. Yeah. Um, same with Chick, you know. Uh, it. I, the thing was is the diversity of those musicians, it wasn't just about the ability. It was more about, you know, speaking to the audience and, and, and really, you know, uh, having this vibe. Because music is something that, it's a story, so it has to start somewhere, it has to go somewhere, it has to have these peaks and valleys. If it's just this all night, whether it's, you know, like you're talking about heavy metal guys playing 50 billion notes. Right. Yeah. That's fun, but after, like, the first tune, you've heard everything the guy can do, and you're yeah. like, I don't want to hear anymore. doesn't you know? grow. Right, and, right, you know, and it's the same with jazz guys. If jazz guys just play, you know, a bunch of notes for the sake of playing notes, it, it doesn't interest me. Well, yeah. you
0: know, like, Miles um, was one of the few jazz guys also that really... Did connect with a rock audience yeah. and uh, I grew up with Jaco Pastorius, sure. he was an old friend of mine oh, and wow. he was like another guy who for some reason um, there was a rock and roll element to it Absolutely. and an R and B element to it and yeah. it had a pulse and right. you know that yeah. kind of thing. And they really connected. I mean there's there is some jazz that honestly I don't understand and you know and some of it, you know, it's interesting some of the notes. I mean you guys play jazz with the right notes. There are some <laughs> guys that avoid all the right notes. I'm not sure I understand it. I'm not saying it's bad, it's rolling but rolling. No, it's, it goes it, past me. It becomes too <laughs>
1: intellectual is what it becomes yeah. because it's all about sure. what they think is supposed to be and really jazz music or any kind of music improvised music is just telling a story yeah. you know it's the same thing as a blues guy sitting on the porch telling a story about getting you know shilked from his old lady or whatever yeah. it's just it's, you have but I think you, you hit the nail on the head Norm is that you know guys like Jocko grew up in a time where he was playing at the same time with Joe DiOrio and Ira Sullivan, right? And, and then those guys are in Miami. Weather yeah. Report. He was playing with this R&B band, and he was doing Jody Mitchell Cochran. as Well, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was no like, well, I just can do this. Yeah, and, yeah. and for but there me, wasn't
2: anything he couldn't do, really, was no, it? Wasn't. No, And but the other thing I think, what you were saying about Miles Davis, I think where uh, he was such a badass. I think the rock guys like they were like. Damn, I, would, I, would, I would want to see what, if this sure. guy, like, kills somebody on stage or something, <laughs> you know.
3: But they were they were jazz musicians with rock attitudes, you know, e- Jocko and Miles. Like, yeah. yeah. Those guys were rock stars, you know. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And they were in the they, trenches, they were, they weren't they? Were yeah.
3: They were playing jazz, but just had that had that attitude, and I think that comes across, like, that comes across to the audience. And even, even if they don't know what they're doing, they're feeling it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's an attitude behind it, you know. Well, they were
0: serious characters. I mean, I read this Miles Davis book and there was one thing in there that I kind of really got a kick out of. He was in either a hotel room or some type of room with a young lady, and after they finished their liaison, or whatever you'd want to call it, (laughs) um, Miles said, "Uh, your cab's here. And she goes, I didn't order a cab. He goes, I said your cab is here. (laughs) uh, He was definitely a nut. (laughs) And uh, that kind of to me that summed up a lot of stuff right well there.
1: i knew a guy uh freddie gruber who was uh, a great drum teacher that lived here in southern california he was a new yorker and he hung with miles when he was a kid in new york and had lots of stories about miles and miles was a privileged kid because his father was a, a, a doctor and he really? went to juilliard to study music. i didn't know that no, I didn't. yeah and, and so they wanted him to play classical music because that was like he was from st louis in a very you know affluent family and but he wanted to hang and play jazz. Yeah. So he'd hang at the over, you know, the overnight joints, and learn from guys like Gil Evans how to be a, a jazz musician. And the way he got his gig with Charlie Parker was he just happened to be at the club when the club owner said to, Mo, uh, to Charlie Parker, "Who's your new trumpet player?" Because his trumpet player quit or didn't show up. He goes, "Him." <laughs> so at you know, nineteen, he was trying ah. to keep up. But wow. That's, what better way to learn? Yeah. You know? In the yeah. fox. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, probably the best way to really get your repertoire together and everything is to just get thrown in the fire right. and like in the old days you had right. to play three four five sets of yeah. eight yeah. now it's like you yeah. know people play yeah. a half hour and go you know oh, yeah. it's yeah. a tough I, you night. Know what? I, yeah. just to say yeah. that True. on a
2: slight tangent uh, I don't know if you said have you seen that Ken Burns country music documentary oh, I started it last night well the, 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 the bit I saw too. last night was about Bob Wills and his